Hey guys, welcome back to the show. I am Michelle, your host, and you are listening to Follow Me Into the Dark. Hope everyone is doing well. So this week, you know, we've talked about haunted places and people, but this week we are going to talk a little bit about haunted objects. In particular, we're going to talk about those creepy haunted dolls. Are you one of those people that have like the fear of dolls? They creep you out? I don't. I love them, actually. I have a very old porcelain creepy looking doll. Um, And I love her. I've had her since I was born. Um, Everybody else is creeped out by her. Nobody else likes her. My husband doesn't like her being in the house. Um, But she's innocent enough, I think. I think. So let's talk about these creepy dolls today. Dolls have been a part of human play for thousands of years. In 2004, a 4,000 year old stone doll was found in an archeological dig on a Mediterranean island. Ancient Egyptians had rag dolls made of papyrus stuffed linen. Over time, toy dolls have become part of people's life regardless of your social status. They're made from sticks, rags, porcelain, vinyl, and they've been found in the hands of children everywhere, all around the world. Before the 18th and 19th century, dolls weren't real enough to be threatening. Only when they began to look too human did dolls start to become creepy. The sleep eye innovation in the early 1900s where the doll would close their eyes when laid horizontal, you know, just like real kids do. Wouldn't that be nice, parents? But that, of course, is one thing that made them appear more lifelike, more human-like. So um, the theory of why we are so creeped out by dolls is that they look like humans. In in some ways, they move like humans. Um, and this is what makes it so uneasy. They've become more human-like. Now, the dolls that people find even more creepy, not just the ones that look more lifelike, but also the ones that have begun to decay in like eerily inhuman ways. Dolls don't age well. Anytime that a doll really tried to look like a human being, and now it's like 100 years old, and the hair's all gross and decaying and the eyes don't work anymore and it's all cracked and roughed up. Um, You know, not to mention that blank, eerie stare that you get from those glass eyes. Those are all just reasons why they're creepy. They are creepy to people. Um, Dr. Margie Kerr, a sociologist who specializes in fear, says, that while our childhood experiences with dolls may have been a source of joy, comfort, or even safety, seeing dolls out of context can freak us out as an ultimate betrayal of innocence. Fear can be understood as a measure of the distance between what we expect and what we experience. And if a doll is too lifelike, or our brain can't figure out if it's human or a toy, that can generate a powerful sense of unease. This disinnocence turns to fear as the doll moves further away from what we expect. The object that brought joy and comfort now trying to kill us. 
Beyond the psychological explanation, there is also a supernatural connection with dolls. According to author and paranormal researcher Rosemary Ellen Gilley, dolls have historically served as links to the spirit world and afterlife and as a conduit of magic. Throughout history, dolls have been made to attract and house spirits that can be summoned forth in a ritual, she says. She also says that they top the list of things most likely to have residual haunting attachments, which is a ghostly energy that imprints and plays over and over like a scratched record. Gilly also says that many reasons for this is the just the mere fact that most people have most likely owned a doll at one time in their life. And of course, another reason is that dolls replicate people. Um, dolls, even funny ones, are representative of human beings. When a child is playing with a doll, they substitute that doll for a living person or even take on a persona of their own. As a result, um, people invest a lot of emotional energy in dolls, even if they're adult collectors. This suggests that because dolls replicate people and are believed to have energetic links to the living, they can be used in sympathetic magic. Now, sympathetic magic is magic based on the assumption that a person or thing can be supernaturally affected through its name or an object representing it. So what is done to the doll is done to the person. So if you're not creeped out enough yet, also consider Gilly's point that the more objects are handled, the more they can absorb psychic and emotional energy from people. And that energy builds up enough to create a haunting residue, which can be experienced by others after the doll has been passed on to new owners. Spirits that lodge in dolls may not be deliberately attached. Spirits who are attached to the living can, in certain cases, latch on to the possessions of a person Dolls are the most likely candidates. People who acquire haunted dolls often find the poltergeist phenomena around them unpleasant and unsettling, such as disembodied voices, dolls that seem to change position or location on their own, and outbreaks of other phenomena in a household. So, if you're now ready to sleep with the lights on while keeping your eyes locked on that antique porcelain doll on the shelf, which I'm looking at mine right now. She's here in my studio, actually. She's my co-host. She's here with me every week. And uh, she's hanging out with me. Her name's Sarah. Like I said, she's all beat up. She's cracked. She has that real human hair. Um, you know, she's really old. So she's hanging out with me and, uh, wait, has she always been sitting like that? No, just kidding. Just kidding. She didn't move. Well, at least not recently, not today, but let's move on. Let's go to the scary real life dolls that allegedly bring evil to playtime. First, we're going to talk about Robert the doll. This is a pretty, pretty famous one. You might've heard of him. So the life-size straw doll had been a birthday present for Robert Eugene Otto or Gene as his family called him and the young boy loved it. It was given to him by his grandfather, 
who bought it while on a trip to Germany in 1904. Manufactured by the Steiff Company, which made the first teddy bear. It was a wood wool stuffed life-size doll, and it was possibly intended as more of a display mannequin. Now, some say that a maid actually gave this doll to Jane, and she put some voodoo magic on it. But we don't know the real story. Dressed in one of Jean's sailor suits, the doll became his favorite toy. He took it everywhere and began calling it Robert after himself. Soon things became a little strange. Robert was a constant companion for Jean, and Robert was accused by the boy of various misdeeds and mysterious movements. Toys might be mutilated, furniture was overturned, and eerie giggles might be heard throughout the auto home. Now, little Jean always placed the blame on Robert the doll. The stories say that the autos and their servants would often hear Jean in his bedroom having conversations with himself in two different voices. On many occasions, the family was awakened in the middle of the night by Jean's screams, only to find the frightened boy in bed, surrounded by overturned furniture and scattered toys. Jean claimed that it was Robert who messed up the room. When things moved around the house and when toys were broken or lost, Jean always stated that Robert did it. Now, his parents didn't quite believe him, but they were unnerved by the strange events and definitely bothered by the stories told by the servants of hearing small footprints, footsteps, laughter when the house was supposed to be empty. People who passed by the auto house at 534 Eaton Street in Key West, Florida, even claimed to see the doll staring out the window at them. When Jean left home to study art, Robert was moved to the attic where he remained for many years. Now in 1930, Jean married Annette Parker in Paris. And after his parents passed away, he moved back home to the auto home in Key West, Florida. He got Robert from the attic and returned him to the old turret room on the second floor, which he turned into his art studio. There are many tales in Key West about Annette, his wife, disliking the doll. Conflicting rumors are still told, some alleging that she died from insanity after locking Robert back in the attic, while others claim that Jean died with Robert at his side. What we do know is that Jean passed away in 1974 and his wife died two years later. Now, Robert the doll stayed with the house when it was sold and that owner had it for the next two decades. Those who passed by the house always saw Robert looking out the second floor turret room window. Today, Jean's former residence operates a bed and breakfast called the Artist House, and visitors can even stay in the old turret room. Now, Robert the doll isn't there anymore, however. He now lives at the Fort East Martello Museum, safely locked away in a glass box that has been outfitted with alarms. Those who come to see him are warned to be careful. It is said 
that curses will befall those who take pictures of Robert without asking his permission first. While this seems hard to believe, the walls near his glass case are covered with letters from scores of visitors and non-believers writing to beg for Robert's forgiveness and asking him to remove the bad luck that he placed on them because of their carelessness. So if you go visit Robert the doll, make sure you ask permission first from him before you take his picture. Whether you believe it or not, I wouldn't take the chance. So the next doll is the Pula Uben haunted doll. This story starts off in 1914 during World War I. There was a German family living on Pula Uben, and this is in Singapore, and they owned a coffee plantation. When war broke out, the British military rounded up the German plantation owners and his family. Supposedly, the British arrested um, the German couple because they were presumed spies. Now, the daughter of the German couple, who would have been about 18 years old, she escaped into the woods. The rest of her family was sent to a detention barrack on mainland Singapore. But a few days later, the girl's body was found covered with ants by the plantation workers. It was believed that she had lost her way and fell to her death from a cliff. Her corpse was discovered by Boyanese plantation laborers who threw sand over her body and offered prayers, flowers, and incense as a gesture of goodwill each time they passed by her. Eventually, a group of Chinese workers on the island took her remains to the crest of the quarries hill and gave her a proper burial. Natives constructed a shrine in her memory with a porcelain altar and a Barbie doll that reportedly contains her crucifix. The doll, it is said, holds the child's spirit and soul. The doll, some claim, is haunted, and over time it has become a local deity. The doll is thought to be benevolent, seen as a positive. It helps out the community and guards them against ill fortune. Every year, they even have a festival and um, offerings are made to the doll. Now another creepy doll is one by the name of Lily. Historians have tracked Lily's background to the early 1600s, discovering tales of mystical practices, pagan rituals, and warding rites imported from Europe by the Dutch colonists of Lower Manhattan. Handmade figurines like Lily were left out to scare off local spirits and new world ghosts, a custom that dates back to Viking and Romans. The original Lily was delivered to a paranormal research organization and the owner said, I found her outside my door one morning with a note that said not to put her by mirrors or in the same room that I sleep in. I gave her a flashlight so she could drain the batteries, but instead she made my lights flicker at night. My cat would not go near her. My dog would just stare. At times, I would be woken up from a dead sleep, smelling burnt toast, or sometimes a sweet fruity smell. Her favorite color is red. That is all I know. 
Upon further research, the doll was crafted to mimic the infamous Elizabeth Bathory de Assad. And in doing so, the tradition stated she contains part of the Countess's menace. Bathory was a noblewoman condemned in the 1600s for killing over 650 people, and she is referred to as the Blood Countess or Countess Dracula. The doll started to act strange and give off extremely unnerving, unnerving paranormal vibes. The research group started to mass produce the doll using her as the original template. So yes, you can buy a Lily doll. Um, if you go online, you can find there's, there's a store with her um, that you can get. So um, she's creepy looking. If you Google Lily doll, you're going to see a bunch of different dolls and some of them are all cute and kitty looking. But when you find the really creepy one, that's her. Um, so next let's talk about Okiku. According to Japanese myth, in 1918, a teenage boy bought a large doll for his younger sister, Okiku. The two became inseparable and Okiku gave the doll her own name. The doll was about 17 inches tall and wore a classic kimono and she was lovely. Its hair was raven black and trimmed to roughly shoulder length in a traditional okapa hairstyle. Her eyes were penetrating coals that seemed to consume everything up in their gaze. The doll was mesmerizing and spellbinding, something to take your breath away. A couple of years later though, Okiku died. Now her family believed that Okiku's ghost was occupying the doll. The doll would move around and even more disturbing, its hair would grow. The doll now resides in a special shrine in Maniji Temple in Hokkaido. The priests of the temple regularly cut Okiku's still growing hair. Now that's creepy, right? Ew. Okay, let's talk about Ruby, the haunted doll. Dana and Greg Newkirk's Traveling Museum of the Paranormal and Occult have a lot of stuff for you to look at, a lot of creepy objects, but one of those is Ruby the Haunted Doll. Ruby the Haunted Doll, a porcelain paint and fabric doll from the early 1900s that originated in Southern Ontario. And according to the museum's description, Ruby spent decades in attics and basements as she was passed along by people who wanted nothing to do with her. The New Kirks report that previous owners came to believe she is still the possession of a young girl who died while holding the doll. Like the other dolls we've talked about, Ruby is said to be able to move on her own, but what makes her especially interesting is the feeling of sadness or nausea that overcomes anyone who holds her. So not quite as malicious or evil as some of these other ones sound, um, but still interesting. Next we have Harold. Whether or not it is factually correct, Harold the doll 
has the reputation for being the first of many haunted dolls to be sold on eBay in 2003. His auction earned him media attention and later an appearance on Ghost Adventures. The initial story behind the badly worn doll is that he belonged to the young son of a Florida man who had passed away in the 1940s. When the son died, the man and his wife reported hearing crying and singing from the boy's bedroom. A priest advised him to burn the doll, but it wouldn't burn. So the man kept it in his shed for about 60 years. And then the original eBay seller put Haunted Harold up for sale after blaming the doll for his cat dying and losing his girlfriend to the pool man two days after buying it off of the other man. After being purchased for $300, Harold was passed along from one owner to the next, and some believe he caused misfortune everywhere he went. Noises were heard, and occasionally it would seem Harold's expression had shifted to a smile. According to the Ghost Adventures episode, a friend of one of the owners developed a brain tumor right after visiting Harold. Anthony Quintana purchased the doll in 2004 and said there were souls imprisoned in and by the doll. And he chronicles attacks by Harold on him and others in a book um, about him and the doll. So the next story, I think the owner might be a little bit creepier than the actual doll. The story of Letta is quite unnerving. Owner Carrie Walton said he discovered the doll in the 1970s under the floorboards of an abandoned house he was rummaging in Wagga Wagga, New South Wales, Australia. Wooden and with glass eyes, the doll was put in his trunk. Walton then proceeded to drive home. Until, that is, he heard movement and a howl of, Letta me out! Hence, the name Letta was born. Upon bringing Letta home, Walton said his children were terrified of it and said they heard it talking to itself and moving on its own. Also, dogs apparently acted aggressive towards the doll. Those who encountered Letta may have vivid nightmares or feel nauseousness. Plus, Walton suggested Letta walked around at night. When he had it examined, Walton claimed Letta dated back 200 years made with real human hair by Eastern European gypsies. And it was supposedly haunted by a restless spirit of a drowned boy. Unsurprisingly, Letta made the television rounds and became a famous haunted doll, and Walton had vowed not to get rid of it, despite the dark cloud of dread and eerie feeling that hangs around it. Um, but then again, he does travel around with a doll and he will charge you for a picture with it. Now it's time to talk about probably the most well-known doll, well, at least in recent years, because of the film franchise that she's in. When The Conjuring introduced Annabelle to mainstream audience in 2013, it was in the image of an antique porcelain doll with a pale complexion, ruby red lips, with a chilling and mischievous smile and it was the focus of Ed and Lorraine's most recent case file. The actual Annabelle is 
far more mundane. Looks like a raggedy ant doll, about the size of a four-year-old child, and attached to an inhuman entity. Before she made her big screen debut, Annabelle was introduced in Gerald Brittle's 1980 book, The Demonologist, The Extra Extraordinary Career of Ed and Lorraine Warren. The Warren's account of Annabelle has it that in 1970, a mother purchased the Raggedy Ann doll from a hobby store as a birthday gift to her adult daughter, Donna Jennings. Jennings, a nurse, lived with a fellow nurse, Angie Stapleton, and Stapleton's fiance, Lou Carlo, was also um, spending a lot of time at the apartment. The Warrens were allegedly called into the case by clergy because the doll had begun to move around the girl's house. At first, Jennings said the doll's position would change while she was away at work or would appear to be standing or kneeling on its own. Stapleton said the doll would change rooms while they were gone and then handwritten notes in parchment began to appear with writing that looked like a child's saying, help us or help Lou. The three told the paranormal investigators they didn't own a pencil and didn't have parchment around. One night they discovered blood on the doll's hand and chest and even, oddly enough, a piece of chocolate appeared. Now the name Annabelle Higgins was introduced by a medium that the nurses um, consulted with. The medium claimed Annabelle was the spirit of a seven-year-old girl who had lived in happier times when the apartments weren't there, it was still just all fields. The girl only wanted love, said the medium, and requested permission to stay with the woman, with the women and to enter the doll, which they gave her permission to do, which of course was upsetting to the Warrens. Activity increased over the course of a year, culminating with Lou having a dream about the doll floating over him, hands on his neck, strangling him. On another occasion, he heard sounds in Donna's room and went to investigate, encountering the doll on the floor while something attacked him from behind, leaving seven bloody claw marks, which they said was a symbolic mark of the beast. The Warrens said they determined an inhuman spirit was manipulating the doll as opposed to possessing it. And the recognition it received from the roommates empowered it as it looked for a human host. Enlisting Father Cook of the Episcopal Church, the apartment was exercised and the Warrens ended up with the doll. Now, the ghost hunter said they believed a vicious hatred tried to run them off the road as they transported the doll home. Despite building a special case to contain Annabelle at their occult museum, they claimed a Catholic priest's life was endangered and a young man killed on his motorcycle shortly after they challenged the doll. Also, the doll supposedly arrived at the museum with a spectral black cat that would stalk Ed's office and dematerialize by the doll's side. Currently, the Warren's Occult Museum is closed um, after Lorraine died. She died um, in 2019 
Ed passed away several years before her. I am a huge fan of the Annabelle movies and uh, that whole franchise. I, I, I really like them. And she's creepy. So, of course, when they say based on a true story, that was the actual story. Um, you have to take everything with a grain of salt. Understand that, um, you know, hearsay and whatnot. But it's pretty fucking creepy, right? So, um, I think she's creepy. And who knows how much of that is true. But, uh, regardless. Creepy. Now, if you can't get enough creepy dolls, there is a place you can go to get your fill. La Isla de las Muñecas, the island of the dolls. The story begins with Don Julian Santana Barrera. He uh, lives in the area of Mexico City, is where he was a native of, and he just up and left his wife and family one day. This was sometime in the mid 20th century and he decided to sequester himself on an island. Now like I said his reasons for doing so are hazy at best but it soon became clear that Santana Barrera was not necessarily of sound mind. Not long after relocating he made a chilling discovery on the shores of his island the body of a young girl drowned in the lake. A doll came floating down the canals shortly afterwards, changing the course of Santana Barrera's life and the shape of the island for years to come. Alone on the island, Barrera took the doll and hung it from a tree in order to appease the spirit of the deceased girl. But, at least in the eyes of the man who now considered himself the island's caretaker, the one doll was not enough. For the next 50 years, Santana Barrera would scrounge dolls from the trash, from the canals, and he would hang them from the island's trees. Some of them he would hang whole. Um, some of them just their head, their torso, or other parts. So it doesn't necessarily sound like the actions of a person with a healthy grasp on reality. Um, and there are a lot of doubts surrounding this story and legend. The biggest question, the reality of the little girl who died. Many people, including his own family, don't believe that that ever happened, that he ever found a girl. Um, whether or not he made it up or they think that he just imagined it, you know, maybe he was not uh, mentally all there and maybe he did imagine it or he was just mistaken. What is clear is that whether the girl existed or not, Don Julian devoted the rest of his life to her. And perhaps creepiest of all, even the end of his life had clear ties to the story of the drowned girl. In 2001, Don Julian Santa Barrera, Santana Barrera passed away. His body was discovered, you guessed it, drowned in the canal in the exact place he always said he'd seen the little girl. In response, tourists began flocking to the island to pay tribute. They brought dolls of their own. And to this day, people honor both Santana Barrera and the girl 
whether she was real or not, by hanging up dolls in tribute. And you can also do the same. Many fairies stop here, making it an eerie and haunting must-see on any tour of these ancient Aztec canals. I would go. Sounds creepy cool if you ask me. Sounds like a cool place. I would like to go check that out. Well, that's your dose of creepy dolls. Hope you liked it. Thanks again for joining me today, guys. Um, like I said, life's been a little nutty lately, so the episodes have been a little inconsistent on timing, so I apologize. Um, so I'm not going to guarantee when the next one is. Um, but in the meantime, have a great week. Cuddle those dolls extra tight tonight. And as always, stay dark, my friends. Bye.